This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. And I'm reading from the, from the ESV, this is. Uh, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. This has come after he's already given a long list of those who, has declared, who declared that they did works, uh, mighty works, through faith. <clears throat> and these, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, Obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Time would fail me. He doesn't have the time to speak of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson. And not too long ago... um, I remember Tony, Tony Ling, um, either saying or being quoted uh, as saying, and I hope he, I hope he confirms this when I, when I say this, but I seem to remember him saying just how much he appreciated and, uh, the book of Judges and how much um, there was that was rich in the book of Judges. Um, am I correct, Tony? Good. Uh, and that prompted me to think about my own response to the book of Judges, which has often been to scratch my head and, and wonder just why some of the accounts that are in there uh, are in the scripture at all. Um, and it also set me off thinking about one character who had fascinated me from my childhood because um, I had Victorian grandparents and I think my grandmother thought that me and my brother were being raised as sort of godless barbarians and she, she sort of took it upon herself from time to time to tell us Bible stories. We, weren't, um, we didn't go to church or anything like that. I wasn't brought up in a Christian family. I was sent to Sunday school, <clears throat> but I hated it like I hated all forms of school. And I did, the, did my utmost not to go there. I even hid so I didn't have to go to the Christmas party. But they came and found me and I, I was dragged in. <laughs> But I remember her telling me um, about the uh, story of Samson, the account of Samson. And of course, as a small boy, it gripped and fascinated me. And after I became a, a Christian as a, as a teenager, I was 15 years old when I, I came to know the Lord. I remember reading it through for the first time, right the way through, finding where it was in the scriptures, reading it through for the first time. Uh, with great relish and even today I always enjoy it when I read it and and I always hope when I read it that this time he he won't tell Delilah his secret but of course he always does and uh, this morning I want to share with you some thoughts from the life of Samson that I believe God has been showing me over a period now uh, and which I've found fresh and inspiring, <clears throat> and which I think um, link with what we, can, we were considering back in the summer when people, Adam, Caris, were sharing about our part um, in God's purpose. Uh, because as, I, as I've considered the life of Samson, as, I, as I've, I've read through it, uh, I've been struck by many par- parallels that I see between the life of Samson and God's calling for you and I as the church. 
And in fact, now I've come to regard the life of Samson <coughs> as being something of a, a display of our part in God's purposes. <clears throat> but um, uh, Samson's commonly treated, I've found anyway, as a failure. And so... Um, and, and regarded as having little of value to teachers. I have one commentary uh, at home, and I've actually photocopied the entry uh, on, uh, on Samson in it, just to read you the sort of thing that I've come across. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you who wrote this commentary, but it starts with, <clears throat> the Samson saga is different is of a different character from the rest of the book of Judges. I'll say amen to that. He then goes on to say, In common with the other judges, the spirit of the Lord possesses him. I might take issue with what he's saying there. But apart from that, his behaviour is more reminiscent of Tarzan. Or... Till Ulan Spiegel says, which I've discovered is a, is a, a fictional German practical joker. And his summary of the account of Sam, Samson is this there is no obvious religious or moral value in the Samson account. Well, I hope to send you home in about half an hour or so <clears throat> with a different opinion because I disagree with that uh, completely. And for many, of course, also, um, the big event in Samson's life is Delilah. Uh, she's all that they can see. You know, I've, I've, I've seen a film called Samson and Delilah. Uh, there's at least one opera that's been written called Samson and Delilah. Delilah. <clears throat> and so uh, what I've discovered is very often a subject, uh, or, or is not very often a subject that preachers and teachers will take. In fact, I was having a discussion with Matthew about this um, a couple of weeks ago, and I said that I, can't, I cannot recall anybody uh, ever preaching on the subject of Samson, but I, then he reminded me that Tony has done. And then I recalled <coughs> Tony's word um, on Samson. And this morning, I want to show the importance of the life of Samson for you and I uh, as to today's church, and that is more than a biblical incredible hulk. Or a, tan, a thousand, as that particular commentary regards him. And that not only are we to be an Elijah people, <clears throat> but we're also to be a Samson people. So please turn with me to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 13. And um, <clears throat> just put your finger in there. We'll be looking at one or two... Uh, uh, one or two... Um, accounts in there shortly but but the first thing I want to say about Samson is that the angelic announcement of his birth should be a big clue to us um, of the significant of the of Samson's significance in God's purposes Samson is one of only four men in scripture whose births were angelically announced do you agree with me, Tony? <laughs> yes. Matthew did. <laughs> One of only four men in Scripture whose births were in angelically announced. <clears throat> the birth of Isaac was announced by an angel. 
Isaac, the child of promise. Going into the New Testament, the birth of John the Baptist was announced by an angel. John the Baptist, the preparer of the way for the Lord, the Elijah ministry. And the birth of of Jesus, of course, was announced by an angel. And all these angelic heralds all mark the arrival of significant lives and seasons in God's plan. And in fact, just thinking about Samson, of all those whose births were announced by angelic herald, Samson is the only one to whose parents the angel, or I should say to whose mother, the angel, or the angelic herald, appeared twice. So you can't convince me that uh, the birth and the life and the death of Samson are not of great significance, uh, not only in scripture but to us, I believe. There are some who actually believe that Samson's birth announcement was a Christophany, which simply means a pre-incarnation appearance of Christ. And there are a number of reasons for that, but the sake of time, I'll just give us one. So, for instance... If you remember the account, we won't read the account, but if you remember the story, Manoah, uh, Samson's father, wasn't there when the angelic herald first arrived. In fact, he wasn't there when he arrived the second time either. Um, but um, when, uh, m- when Samson's father, when Manoah uh, encounters the angel, he says to him, um, what's your name? What's your name? <clears throat> And the angel of the Lord says to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Which reminds us of that prophecy in Isaiah, which which is declaring the the birth of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. There are other reasons why people tend in that direction. Looking at my, I'm, I'm thinking that way myself too. <clears throat> but Samson's unique amongst the judges, is unique in scripture and is unique in God's plan. <clears throat> and the calling upon his life was to begin to deliver Israel from Philistine domination and rule. After 40 years, they'd been under the domination <clears throat> of the Philistines and come to the point of acquiescence. And God was sending a deliverer to stir them up, cause trouble, and to begin to deliver them. And he was anointed with supernatural strength to do exploits when the Holy Spirit came upon him. In the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, when I did recall Tony's message on Samson, the the big thing that I do remember him saying was that Um, He did all these things um, under a a Holy Ghost anointing of supernatural strength. His strength was supernatural. He did not have a gym membership. (laughs) And he would not have looked like a, a Super League rugby player or anything like that. The likelihood is he may even have looked like me. And... uh, I'm sure you can't imagine me doing super. I'm sure you can't imagine me doing super feats of strength. <laughs> of strength. <laughs> you haven't seen my biceps, Paul. 
<laughs> you probably don't want to either. <clears throat> he, did, he did his exploits in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so let, let's, let's just begin to look at how he depicts the church. Uh, to me, this is, this is <clears throat> what I'm seeing uh, from Samson. Samson was a Nazarite from birth. And the word Nazarite actually comes from the Hebrew word. I know nothing about Hebrew. Um, I can recognise the characters, but I can't read it or anything like that. But it's a Hebrew word, apparently that means Nazir, uh, nazir meaning to be consecrated or separated. And a Nazarite is one who voluntarily took a vow voluntarily took a vow of separation to the Lord as described in Numbers chapter 6, the first 21 verses there. You can read all, <clears throat> all about it. Now it could be either a man or it could be a woman and it, and it was a, for a period that they themselves determined. Uh, there was no set period, no uh, instruction of period in, uh, in the, <clears throat> in the um, <coughs> regulations governing the, uh, the Nazarite. <clears throat> but Samson never volunteered he was called from his conception even before his conception because the angelic herald said you will conceive <clears throat> but such was the degree of separation and consecration that was going to be required of Samson that even his mother was to begin observing the Nazarite regulations herself upon hearing the angelic declaration she wasn't to touch uh, anything from the grape, she was to touch no unclean thing, <clears throat> which are all part of the Nazarite regulations. And so Samson's call was not only to be a deliverer, to begin to be a deliverer <coughs> uh, of, uh, of the Israelites from Philistine domination, but it was to a life of separation to God, just like you and me. A life of separation to God and consecration, just like you and me. <clears throat> I hope you knew that. I hope you know that that's what you signed up for. And the church together is to be a consecrated and separate people. We're to be a Nazarite people for life. That's our calling. So in that, that's the first way we can see a connection between Samson's life and the church. Yeah. Now let's, <clears throat> let's just start now to look at some of his exploits. <clears throat> Turn to uh, Judges chapter 14 then. We'll start in Judges chapter 14. <clears throat> Starting... Read it, uh, verses 5 and 6. Now this is from the ESV. <clears throat> so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. Timnah was a Philistine town. <clears throat> and he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Excuse me. <clears throat> and to his surprise... A young lion came roaring against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. 
though he had nothing in his hand. But he didn't tell his father or his mother what he had done. And when I read this incident, um, I was reminded of Peter's exhortation in his first epistle. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 which says, Be sober-minded, addressing the church. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter describes the devil as a lion seeking prey amongst the church. But by the power of the Holy Spirit we're enabled to deal with him as did Samson who tore the lion apart. We're well equal to the one who roams amongst us seeking to devour you and seeking to devour me because of the power of the Holy Spirit who we've heard this morning already indwells us. I heard a testimony recently of a... um, an American fella, young American fella, who came to know the Lord through a mountain lion attack. He'd been out foolishly hiking in mountains in America, and it was it was it was set upon by a, a lion. And I hope you're not too squeamish, but um, this lion had his he- head locked in his jaws, and he couldn't free himself because it was just too powerful for him. The lion was trying to crush his head. He said he could feel its teeth scraping across his skull <clears throat> whilst it was using its claws on its front legs and its back legs to tear at his flesh. And you know, sometimes you and I can feel just the same way with our enemy. We feel as if the enemy's got our head in his jaws in a vice-like grip. He wants to crush your head because of the prophetic word that's over his own head. But the corporate Christ is instead and equipped to crush the Satan's head. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson, empowering him to tear the beast apart. And that's also God's intention for the church. He doesn't intend us to be devoured, either individually or corporately. Nor will we be as we learn to know and to move in the power and enabling of the Holy Spirit. Just by way of interest, he did survive the attack (laughs) because the lion left him one arm free. It hadn't totally immobilised him and he managed to get something out of his pocket and he stabbed the lion in the eye and it freed him sufficiently long enough for him to get get away. But in the process, uh, in his escape, he saw a vision of the Lord separating him from the lion. And so he was able to escape. <clears throat> the, um, the story, I'll, I'll just tell you how it does end. Eventually, um, a, um, a, um, a mountain lion is found trapped in this chap's garden. And when he goes out to, to, look, to look at it, uh, because they were about to kill it, it's the one that attacked him because it, it had only one eye. <clears throat> but he came to know the Lord, <clears throat> and then uh, that's Samson and the li- and the and the lion. So ju- let's turn to Judges chapter fifteen, verse uh, starting at verse nine, and I think um, God's going to read it for us. Judges fifteen, verse nine. 
This is another one of Samson's exploits. Okay, uh, Judges 15, 9 to 17. I'm going to be reading from the New International. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lee. The people of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We've come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to them that they are paying it on us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. And they said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. And Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. And as he approached Lee, the Philistines came towards him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arm became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath Lee. Thank you, Gordon. I've called that Samson's Big Rumble. <laughs> And uh, scripture there says that he killed a thousand, but in biblical terms it might equally mean an innumerable number, an innumerable host. And uh, he did that with the jawbone of an ass. What we've got to remember at this time, there were no weapons in Israel. The Philistines had cornered the market on iron and they didn't permit the Israelites to make weapons. <clears throat> and... You know, Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26, uh, with man this is impossible, with, with God all things are possible. And God doesn't need man's weapons. Uh, God provided what Samson needed, and he'll also provide, and he has provided, what the church needs for our victory in the Holy Spirit. So we're not to try and fight our battles or God's battles with man's Weapons. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, sometimes these accounts of um, these, um, these exploits of Samson all seem a little bit arbitrary. And you think that if he hadn't done that, if it wasn't for character flaws in his life, he, uh, this wouldn't have happened. But all these um, features, all these characteristics of Samson... I've come to realise have meaning for us. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we see here is a bit of a poet as well, isn't he? With the jawbone of a donkey, <laughs> heaps upon heaps. I think in the Hebrew that actually does scan and rhyme, but it doesn't work out quite so well in English. But then I got to thinking, why was it an ass's jawbone? What's the significance of an ass's jawbone? I wondered that from years, even after my first reading of the account of Samson's life. And here's what I think. <clears throat> The ass is a symbol of silliness, isn't it? Of stupidity, in effect. Um, <clears throat> in fact, there's a word in English, asinine, which means extremely foolish and stupid. And it comes from a Latin word, asinus, which actually means ass. 
But also the mule, a mule is the offspring of a, of a, a male ass and a donkey. And a mule is a byword for stubbornness, isn't it? Stubborn as a mule. I remember seeing a film on the life of General Patton. Probably lots of people have never heard of General Patton, but he was, he was one of the American generals that were involved in the D-Day, D-Day landings and the, and the, the front that went down into Europe. <clears throat> and... Um, he was nicknamed Old Blood and Guts because of the way that he, his tactics in, in conducting his affairs and the yeah, affairs of the army. But I remember seeing in this film that a whole army column was held up um, because of a mule that had sat down in the road. It was a blockage. It was a stumbling block. And Paul says in the 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness a stumbling block and foolishness the cross is foolishness to the Greeks representing the wisdom of the world and the cross is also a stumbling block to the Jews representing religious works those who would seek to come through religious works. And the church <coughs> will rout her enemies just as Samson did with that jawbone through the preaching of Christ crucified, through the preaching and proclamation of the cross of Christ. And the focus of our message to the world <coughs> has to be the cross and Christ crucified because in that there's power. I remember hearing an interview with Billy Graham in the late, later years of his, his work and ministry and he was asked if he would do anything differently and he said, yes, I would preach more of the blood of Christ and I would preach more on the cross of Christ under the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. As we do that, we will be what God wants us to be and that's that deliverer uh, of of. of of lost souls um, <clears throat> in the world today. So that's Samson and the jawbone. <clears throat> Just let me, I'll say a quick word about his name as well. Samson's name means shine like the sun. Shine like the sun. And Jesus said to his disciples, didn't he, in Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in, uh, in the same chapter, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, Be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. God's people are to shine like the sun. In a very dark world. We're in a very dark country at present. God's people are to shine like the sun. The sun gives both warmth and illumination. As the church we're called to display the warmth of the love of God. As we illumine the nations. As we illumine our nation. As we illumine our city. That they may see the salvation, the deliverance that only Jesus has provided. 
for them. Then if we go to Judges chapter 16, read the first three verses. I don't think I gave you those, Gordon, did I? No. Judges chapter 16, the first three verses. Samson went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute and he went into her and the Gazaites were told, Samson's come here. So they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept quiet all night saying, let's wait until the light of the morning and then we'll kill him. But Samson lay still until midnight and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up bar and all and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill top of the hill that's in front of Hebron so Samson went to Gaza and visited a prostitute there and when the local Philistine men were told uh, they set an ambush for him at the gates of the city intending to kill him in the morning. But instead, Samson went out to them at midnight and he tore up the city gates, posts and all, and carried them to the top of the hill. And the Philistines, the ambush, did nothing. They did nothing. Now that reminds me of When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, when he was talking to Peter, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which suggests that we... As the church of Jesus Christ are to lay siege to the gates of hell and to do what Samson did and to take the fight to the enemy. <clears throat> Samson made fools of the Philistines by the power of the Holy Spirit and he left their city open to looting and rout that would, would have been closed because it was night time but he left their city open to uh, looting and rout because his calling was to be a deliverer from the domination and oppression of the Philistines and and the church of Jesus too today we're called to be a corporate deliverer of all those living under the domination of Satan and oppression and are headed for a lost eternity we're called to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit as we pull those gates of hell up and, uh, and as we lay siege to them. So that was Samson and the gates. So bring it to a all together now and we'll... Uh, Gordon, you've got another reading for us. On, uh, so Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, verse, and read, starting to read at verse 25. <clears throat> high spirits they shouted bring out Samson to entertain us so they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them when they stood among the pillars Samson said to the servant who held his hand put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them now the temple was crowded with men and women 
All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than he had done while he lived. Great, thank you, God. <clears throat> so this is after the incident, uh, the time with Delilah, and he'd, uh, the Philistines had captured him. <clears throat> And he was brought to the temple of Dagon, the Philistine idol god. He was brought to a Philistine stronghold. <coughs> and he was, brought, he was brought out and he was made to entertain them. Um, which he did so well, he eventually br- he brought the house down. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think that's my joke. You've probably heard that before anyway. But um, it reminds me of that that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the church of Jesus is called and equipped to be a puller down of strongholds uh, as was Samson we're intended to be a puller down uh, of strongholds. Samson. We've looked at some of his exploits and I've not mentioned Delilah once. So if I was to give our, uh, what I've shared with you today, a title, I'd say it's Samson without Delilah. <laughs> uh, to emphasise to us that God is building a people of power. Yeah. And we can see that those exploits that God is wanting us to do depicted in the life of Samson. Samson, he died a victor, having fulfilled his calling. His calling was to begin to deliver Israel from Philistine rule. And he died having fulfilled his calling. King David went on to complete the deliverance. King David delivered the Israelites from the domination and rule of the Philistines. And um, if my understanding is correct, the Philistines eventually went um, into history as they passed into Babylonian captivity. Although the names of their towns and things are still around, like Gaza. And and in fact, their name lives on in 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 the title Palestinian and Palestine. But King David completed the the deliverance. The church today, we carry a message of deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. But just as it was for Samson, he didn't complete it. For us it's now, but not yet. Because King David's greater son will finish the job at his glorious appearing. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Mm-mm-mm. <clears throat>
We're in a period now, a season now, where we're beginning to look at uh, tongues and prophecy. And um, this last exploit of Samson, this pulling down of the Philistine stronghold. Um, one of the ways that you and I can pull down strongholds, uh, one of the ways that we can lay siege and, ons- and, and onslaught the gates of the enemy is through the gift of tongues, praying of tongues, praying in tongues. And I just felt as, as we um, drew this together, as I drew this together, I thought it would be good to do just to pray in tongues together, to reach out to God together, <clears throat> because many of us will have strongholds, those things that we're looking to God to, to see shifted. There might be situations in our family, there might be work situations, uh, it might be something in our own life that is something that just seems to persist and it needs pulling down. And one of the approaches, one of the ways we can tackle that is through the gift of tongues. You know, in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Yeah. And um, God has given us a theme. God has given us an exhortation. And God has given us a reminder today that we are to be a people of power in the earth. Yeah. And as Paul said to us earlier on, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you have received the power that he brings when he comes to in, indwell you. <clears throat> And as he does that, as he brings, as he comes and indwells, as he brings gifts that we can use yeah. uh, and that we can uh, employ as we, um, and, uh, as we att- attack things like strongholds. So let's just, as we, pr- as, we, um, as we pray in tongues together, let's consider those strongholds that you'd like to see moved in your lives. And let's just pray in tongues, let's look to God, let's bring them to God. And you know, the, um, there's, a, there's a, a sentence in that uh, account there of, the, uh, of uh, Samson bringing down the, the temple of Dagon where he says to the, to his, to the uh, helper, let me feel the pillars on which this house rests. And I just felt as I was um, <clears throat> thinking about this this morning that God wants to point out to someone here or maybe a number of people here today, he wants to show you the pillars on which the house of that stronghold is resting, is going to reveal them to you, just as we're praying tongues together. And that will be the key that will bring that stronghold down. Father, we thank you for your reminder this morning that you are building a people of power. Father, we pray that as we go... This morning into a new week, Father, as we go into our places of work, Father, into our streets and our uh, our localities, that, Father, as we go, that, Father, we will be deliverers, that, Father, we will be pullers down of strongholds, Father, that we will be those who will crush the enemy's head, Father, in the places in which we live. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.